me and my friend back at it again, and he's going to tell you all about it. Welcome to the ALT Insider Podcast, dedicated to making you have the most fun possible while living or dreaming about living in Japan. Whether you've been here for years or are just starting to consider it, we've got you covered. And now, your host, broadcasting from somewhere in Japan, James. Thank you, Deep Voice Guy. Yes, it is James. And yes, this is the ALT Insider Podcast coming at you with episode number 043, a solo show all about the magic that is High Friends 2. I already went through High Friends 1 a few weeks ago, so if you want to check that out, head on over to the show notes page, altinsider.com forward slash podcast 45, and it will be there waiting for you. That's actually where all the links will be that I mentioned in this episode. So head on over there if you're not already listening from the from that page, of course, which I know some of you are doing right now. Actually, someone told me, I always say where the show notes page are, but then they just listen from that show notes page. So if you are doing that, ignore what I said. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Solo show, solo show, solo show. It's me, it's ALT stuff, and it is High Friends 2, which is the sixth grade edition of the textbook that you are using, or I guess you should be using, in your elementary schools. Um, basically, I'm going to do it just like last time. I got my book here. Let me pound it on the mic so you can hear it again. Actually, it's on the ground here. Hold on. Hang on. Here it is. Here's my book. Let me make a better sound so you know it's a book. Last time it was like a bong. Let's make more of a pagey. There, did you hear the page? All right. My book is here. I'm going to go through this book, maybe share a memory or two, share a game or two. You know, whatever happens, happens. Here we go. Hi, friends, too. First up, let's look at this cover. Now, for this cover, I think they really decided to jazz it up, kind of from Hi, friends, one. It's kind of sort of exciting, you know, we're on a boat kind of feeling. When Hi, friends, one was just in front of a school, more boring side of things. But, I mean, there's absolutely no reason for this, but there's like dolphins. There's Momotaro chilling up there. There's some people playing soccer on the land. But, you know, I guess it works. Exciting. Front cover, cool. Open up the book, and you'll see that there is actually one less lesson in this book than in High Friends 1. So that means that it's not a big deal, but sometimes you have to stretch a little further if you go to your schools a lot. Like, it don't really matter. It doesn't really matter if you go to your schools, like, once or twice a month or whatever. But if you go there multiple times a week or enough times for, like, eight lessons, four times, so it's like, I don't know, do the math on that, 36. If you go there 36 times a year, you will kind of feel the stretch, like every single lesson, one of these lessons has to be four times, but especially thanks to Momotaro, of course. And I know you're, I know some of you out there are eagerly awaiting the Momotaro scathing, you know, hot takes I have on that one, but don't worry. I'll try to make it easy as I can for you. I'll try to share what I did to hopefully make it easier for you, but let's wait until we get there. Okay. Let's go to lesson one here. Lesson one is entitled, Do You Have A? Now, this lesson for me was kind of like a really good chance to review the numbers and letters, which are two of the subjects that really have like the most possible games involved with them. I mean, I know the, le- the lesson's supposed to be, do you have A? Like, do you have a, I don't know, cup? But I kind of didn't concentrate on the grammar so much at this point. I concentrated on the letters and numbers aspect just to review everything because you never know how much people remember. Um, if this was the first real class, though, of course, I should say, of course I'd be doing bowling altinsider.com forward slash bowling but if i already knew the students and they you know they already did bowling two times last year when they are fifth graders i would just jump right into some fun you know number review games i'll put the links to the show notes in them because i'm not going to go through them all again like i did in the first episode of this series um check out the show notes altinsider.com forward slash podcast 45 it'll be there um another good thing about this is that all the games from this lesson will be games that if I was the teacher at that time, they definitely did when they were in fifth grade because I don't know what lesson is that? I don't know, lesson seven or something. It also covers numbers and letters. So I did the same games, you know, and so they, 
it's kind of refreshing of things they did. They already know the games. And you want this first lesson to be incredibly easy because you want it to be, hey, English is fun. That's the main thing you're trying to show in this first kind of lesson. Having fun, well, it's always important. But right now, it's like incredibly the most important thing. If, it, if it's not fun, just don't tune out, you know? First few lessons should be fun. And this lesson gives you a good opportunity to do that. Um, in the counting page, on the first page with the kind of the zoo animals and stuff, one kind of funny thing I used to do was right before like the class started doing the kind of like leaving greetings, you know, or like when they kind of could you come make kind of finishing time, I would hit the button to, that counts the apples and just let it go. And it never would make everyone, of course, stop the, you know, the greetings and just wait. But no one knew that there's a hundred apples there. So it took a long time. And of course I would make them kind of like, Let's, let's count through them and have fun together and make it funny. And But sometimes the teacher would like just flip out and like, oh my God, how do I turn this off? You know, try to turn it off because she thinks it was an accident. But it was always funny. Feel free to steal that. Um, on the next page, this kind of the picture with English words inside. The point of this is sort of to find English words in these two pages and then write it. But what I always did was open it up to like find any English in the classroom is cool too, you know? So like, of course the book is fine too, but you know, it's better if you are moving around, right? So I would say whoever finds the most English in the room wins. I mean, they give you these, like, I don't know, what is it? Eight boxes to write, like, English words you find. But I said ignore that. Person that writes the most wins. So that makes more, you know, it makes the activity more, like, frantic. And frantic is a bad word. It has a negative connotation. More excited. And also gets them writing more, which is, you know, a good thing when they're studying. So lesson one was definitely a good one. And I always look forward to this, you know, the first kind of month of class because I know they're going to be fun to the max. Well, they should be fun to the max. Uh, let's go on to lesson two, which is called When is Your Birthday? Now, lesson one was easy. Lesson two is definitely not easy. So let's go over what you're supposed to cover here, okay? So first is being able to ask someone, when is your birthday? Now, that's easy, you know? But of course, if you want to do these activities in the book, you're supposed to be able to answer the questions. And in addition to that, understand other people's answers. If you want to do, I mean, the students have to understand that. If you want to do the activities that are in the book. So that means understanding all the months and how to say the days, you know, up to 31. So, I mean, learning your own birthday, that's no big deal. Every student should be able to do that. At six, you know, sixth grade students should be able to do that. But learning all 12 months and saying like all the numbers of 31 is pretty tough in some classes that, you know, are your kind of your lower level classes, you know. And some ALTs also try to add in the ordinal numbers, you know, first, second, third, whatever. And I mean, that's in the teacher's book. So we are technically supposed to teach it. And I did that for a few years. But like after year, after year, after year, after year, I think I said that right. Seeing the students, like, you know, just not be able to get that in addition to all the 12 months and the numbers, I just checked it out and I made sure the students got their own birthday, they got all the months and they got all the numbers and that's enough, you know, it's already too much kind of, but if you add any more to that and just, you know, it makes the rest of what you're teaching stick with them less kind of, if, if that makes sense, I think. Like if you, if you go over a certain number of things you're teaching in a lesson, they learn all the things less than if you just stick to the simple, hey, learn 12 months, learn how to say 1 to 31. Simple is always better, you know? They're, they're in elementary school, so keeping things fun is much more important than learning all the stupid ordinal numbers. They'll pick that up at junior high school if they really have to. Concentrate on the basics, leave it out. Uh, for the activities, there are some cool videos. Uh, there are some cool videos here about, like, holidays if you're using a computer. Um, kids always laugh at Santa's, uh, uh, Santa, what is he doing? Surfing, so... Definitely check that out, you know, if you have a computer. If you don't have a computer, um, the holiday match thing is pretty cool on the first pages. It works. Second page is kind of a wrap-up activity and asking your classmates their birthday and then writing it. It's fine, but remember, if you haven't, like, studied enough, which is it takes a while, you know, meaning at, you know, probably two classes, maybe three classes to get all the months down, your students would not have a chance of, you know, completing this. So just keep that in mind. You know, you really got to study all the 12 months, and that does take a while. To sum up lesson two, I mean, 
it's definitely something you, you know students you got to learn but it's difficult too so but you know you got to teach them tough stuff sometimes right um lesson three is entitled i can swim now this this lesson like lesson two before requires the students the students to learn a lot of stuff but it's kind of more set up for scaling better so it's not as difficult how i did this lesson was first i would teach I wouldn't worry about I can or I can't. I would just teach the things that the people can or can't do. If you, if you have the book, you know what I'm saying. It sounds kind of crazy, but like I would teach all the sports that are in the book first and the kendama and, and of course unicycle too because they threw that in for some stupid reason. That is ridiculous, you know. Instead of, they could have kept it simple here and just said, you know, I can swim, I can play, I can play, I can play, I can swim. You know, they could have kept it simple, but they threw in unicycle, meaning you have to teach the students I can ride as well. I mean, it's just a stupid idea textbook makers people out there i'm sure you're listening to this is just directed at you the scathing review uh, anyways after, after after teaching like all the things that they can and can't do you know the activities then after the next time, time i met the class i would start teaching the i can whatever just i can don't worry about i can't the next lesson you you add in the i can't so you have to learn i can't and i can't and what they mean and then finally i would add, i would you know bring it all together to ask someone else can you swim or whatever can you Play kendama or whatever. I like, play kendama always feels weird to me, but that's what you're supposed to teach, you know. I can kendama is obviously wrong, but I can play kendama just doesn't sound right. But so it sounds like a lot, but it's it's really like if you do it in a scaled kind of way, building up, kind of like a tiered way. I think that's called like scaffolding or something in like high tech teacher speak. But if you do it this way, kind of building up, the students will have no problems, and the class goes flows pretty well. I always like to end this lesson with a snakes and ladders kind of game, with the sort of twist on it being. How can I, let's say the easiest way to explain this is like, you know, snakes and ladders board has boxes and it has snakes and ladders, you know, sprinkled in amongst the boxes. In my version I use for this one, each of the squares would have a picture of something someone can or can't do. So for example, let's say one box would have someone swimming, one box would have someone cooking an omelet, one box would have someone playing kendama. So let's say I wrote a one and landed on swimming. I would then have to ask someone in my group, can you swim? If they answer yes... I can swim, or yes, I can, I would move up an extra space. I have to. It's not a choice. If they answer no, I can't, or I can't swim, I would have to go back a, get back a space. Now, there's implications there because if there's a ladder coming up and someone wants to be nice, they might say, yes, I can play guitar, even though they can't. If there's a snake coming up and they want to be mean, they might say, no, I can't swim, even though they can. You know, Lying is definitely encouraged. You know, I mean, it, it means it way more fun than normal snakes and ladders, and it always was a game that students asked to do again. If they were in my class the year before, I would do this class, this this kind of game in High Friends 1, too. So they were always excited to break this one out again. So give it a try if you never have. I'll put a link to the show notes on that one, even though my full version of that is in my yearly lesson plans. But you get the gist. Um, lesson three, always a good lesson. Difficult, sure, but it's kind of a cool arc. You know, you can really see you building the knowledge of the young learners, you know. So let's move on to lesson four. Okay, I just turned, okay, wait, let's get back to this. I just turned past it, but I want to talk about page, what is pages? 13. It's titled, This Is Me. I never in, you know, the eight years I was in ALT did anything with this page. Nothing. If you did, let me know what you did because I never saw the use of it, you know? Like, I I think you're supposed to say a speech or something, but like, you know, the first two are fine. You can help me. I can help my friends. I can help people, but I can save the earth. So it means you have to teach the kids I can save and the earth and they all have to have a different variation of that. That just seems too tough. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. If you did something with that lesson, please let me know in the comments or an email. That would be cool. Because for me, I recommend skipping that page. Lesson four. 
hope you can hear I'm here loudly turning the page so you can hear that. Lesson four is entitled Turn Right. And this lesson is all about giving directions and places kind of around town. I always have fun with this one. It's not really practical. I mean, it's cool for the students to learn like how to turn left and right and turn, you know, go straight. But the method the book uses to give directions is kind of kind of silly. Like and you have to teach it to the students in that same weird way, or you can't do any of the activities in the book. Like it handcuffs you, right? So like if anyone doesn't know this well, I'm, you're not probably not still not listening to this podcast, but I'm going to assume there's someone out there that doesn't have high friends that is listening. Like when you say go straight, okay, I'm giving directions to you, right? Go straight. In this book, if you use the book's explanations, go straight means go straight until you reach another road. Like go straight one block. Turn left and you just turn your body. You don't go forward at all. If I wanted you to, turn, to take a left, right? I'll have to say go straight and you hit the intersection. Turn left, turn the car go straight. And you just took a left. So that means if I wanted to give directions in like New York or something, you'd be like, go straight, go straight, go straight, go straight, turn left, go straight, go straight, go straight. You know, to get, you just have to go straight a thousand times to get anywhere. But that's how the book kind of chose to handle the problem. I guess they really had no choice. I mean, if you just say go straight, you don't really know how far to go. So I don't blame the writers for this one. All of you out there that are listening, I don't blame you. But, you know, just keep in mind that it's a good idea to get, to do the activities yourself first because, you got to get the how you got to understand how they uh, how they work to fully do a lesson yourself because the first time I did I was like whoa go straight only goes one you know so it's like took it was a nightmare it was a panic no it wasn't a panic um, as for the activities I would have students for the kind of wrap up lesson the last lesson of the group make a place around town give them a piece of paper they draw place around town you know whatever they wanted park school snack bar um, you know what else could there be flower shop whatever they wanted and. The multiple students will make funny stuff. You'll have snack bar. You'll have, you know, gambling place. You'll have whatever they want is fine as long as it wasn't too bad. Then I would have a big piece of paper on the board and have one student draw kind of lines of a town however they want it. They can choose however they would do that they want. So after they were kind of the roads were fully drawn, I would give the students glue. I would have the students glue their kind of places they drew around town on paper after telling me or telling the assistant. I usually would use an assistant for this lesson. Kind of where to put the thing by giving directions. So I would hold like the paper they drew of their place under the board and then go straight means I would, you know, take the, the paper they drew up one, turn left, I would turn left and they kind of directed where they wanted to glue their thing. I mean, it kind of wasn't the best game. I wasn't really always 100% happy with that game, but it was always fun and resulted in kind of some fun towns and the teachers would hang it up on the wall afterwards, which you really should try to do a few times a year. I mean, they really appreciate that and it makes it Hey, the ALT is doing stuff that the students make stuff. That's cool, you know. So try to throw it in sometimes. Pretty straightforward lesson. Not too difficult. Not too easy. Um, also, at one time during this kind of this lesson, be sure to do a like, control the teacher activity where like teachers closing their eyes and the students are yelling, go straight. And then teacher has to move like control the robot or something I've heard it called before. But And for maximum laughs, always make the teacher walk out of the classroom, kind of coerce the students to tell the teacher to go out of the classroom, you know, go straight, go straight, go straight, keep going straight until they're outside the classroom and then close the door. Maximum laughs, much funny. Uh, Lesson five is let's go to Italy. And it's really all about that phrase. Basically, it's just like about countries and saying why you want to go to them. And I think like this lesson really kind of bites off more than it can chew, you know, like, like, let's go to somewhere is fine and learning the country names is fine but when you throw in explaining why you want to go to them i think it's a little bit much for like sixth graders unless you extremely hold their hand which is what i ended up doing because i would give them select choices like i want to go to wherever any country's fine i want to eat something from that country i want to see something from that country 
Like if you set it up like that, it's not too difficult. But of course, the book doesn't tell you exactly what you're supposed to do. So for, it's definitely tough. When I first started this lesson, it was tough. But, you know, as for stuff to do with this one, there's some cool videos of countries. Definitely watch the France video because they show escargot and, the, you know, guaranteed hey stuff. So it's funny. But uh, for the wrap up lesson or kind of the last lesson of this, I always did a speech activity with because this one, the speech kind of be short enough that it's not it's not too not fun. I know that's not the right way to say that. But and of course, to make it fun, I used a bing, a kind of bingo ball spinner numbers in the ball and spin it up. So to keep the kind of speech more exciting. So like if I pulled a number five, the student number five had to give their speech and I would do a limit like only 20 people are going to give a speech. So there's some people that don't have to give a speech. So it keeps it nice and exciting. You know, that's a good thing to point out. Like if your class involves something that the students don't want to do because they're nervous or just don't want to do it like speech or something, make the choosing of who has to do the activity fun and it won't be so bad. It'll be better for everybody. Like, like this speech activity, everyone was involved in the fun of the kind of roulette wheel spinning, spinning that shows who got to give the speech. So like, even if they lost, they wouldn't, okay, I'm going to go up, read my speech and come back. And then the fun keeps going. Like, you know, it just makes it more fun. And, you know, if I just call out numbers, it wouldn't be as fun. Like James was choosing who goes next. Not that great. Right. But making that part of it fun is just a good idea. Even though you're doing a thing, something you don't want to do, which is give a speech in front of the room, make as much of it fun outside of the giving the speech. And it's still, and it wasn't that bad. Um, lesson five is, you know, okay, not great. Not bad. Lesson six is all about time. And it's called, what time do you get up? Now, this lesson is one of the tougher ones because, I mean, teaching 1 to 60 is not easy for every class. I definitely went over all the numbers, but I really concentrated on like o'clock, like 3 o'clock, and 15, 30, and 45. So 3 o'clock, 315, 330, 345. And like every student can handle those four. Of course, I taught all the numbers, but I really concentrated on those four. Um, In addition to that, you're supposed to teach like things to do in the day, like eat breakfast and like go to school go to bed, all that kind of stuff. There's like 10 of those things you're supposed to teach. So what I did was like first teach, you know, first teach the 10 things they're going to do that day and then bring in the time aspect and then finally mix it together. Um, for activities on this one, there's a lot, mostly about telling time, of course, but they're, and they're definitely worth doing if you have a computer, especially. If you don't have a computer, this one's kind of, kind of, kind of tough. For the penultimate activity in this one, I would make a worksheet with lots of clocks on it, like nine or so. And I'd put a box in each of the clocks where the students were to like, draw a picture of an activity that they they learn this lesson like get up or go to bed go to go to school and then first i would have them fill in each of those nine blocks with a picture they drew of one of those things and then they would ask and interview someone around the room and so it didn't just take five minutes i would do first round is all pencil second round is crayon and last round is marker so they could interview three people and draw on the clock what time they did all those things and since it was in pencil, crayon, and marker, you could tell they did three times. That one was always cool. Uh, lesson six down. Two left. We can do this. We can definitely do this. How long have we been doing this now? 20 minutes. we got to end up quick. I don't want to take too much of your time. I imagine you're biking to your school right now. You're almost there, I hope. Um, hope it's not too cold either or raining because that always sucked. Okay, so what you've been waiting for, lesson seven, entitled The Insanely Irrelevant we are good friends. I mean, they say that, I guess, in the story, but who cares? That doesn't matter. This is all about Momotaro. The first page is all about kind of a Where's Waldo game, and that's kind of fun. Find like stories and you play a little audio thing about it. But the bulk of this lesson, let's skip right to it. The bulk of this lesson is the story of Momotaro. So some people skip this lesson. Some people spend one class on it. There are many ways you can tackle this thing, but all of them are going to be tough. But if you came this far, you know that. 
what I always did after I kind of sort of got a handle on it was the first class was teach all the common words that come in the story. So keep, teach all those words, strong, bird, brave, dog, you know, friends, all those words. That's one whole lesson. Teach all that stuff. And also do the, the, uh, kind of where's Waldo fine thing on the first two pages, but teach all those words. Now, next class, I would assign each person in the class a line from the story. And then we'd read it together after reviewing the words we learned in the first class, of course. So like we would review the words, do a game with the words we learned last lesson, and then kind of read the story together. Then for the third lesson, I would make a worksheet where the students would have to make their own version of the story. So like who would be Momotaro? Who would be, you know, some, some people would say Ampaman, some people would be Obama, some people would use my name. Whatever they chose was okay. They said to change all the important characters and items in the story into something else. So like instead of Kibidango, there would be money, there would be 3DS, anything is fine. Then I would have them choose the roles that they want to do in the story. So like if they made Momotaro be Man, someone in that group had to choose to be Man or whatever. And the lines they say in the story doesn't change except for the things they they change themselves. So like, for example, if a group used 3DS, the dog would say, instead of a Kibidongo, please, he would say a 3DS, please, or whatever, whatever they chose. And finally, in the fourth lesson, it was presentation time. Now, how good this goes always depended on like the outgoingness of the class, but usually it was always fun. And even except in like the most introverted classes, but so if you're skipping this lesson, it's definitely worth a try. Try this way once, you know, build up the lesson, teach all the words, read the story a few times, change the story, do the, you know, do a, put a play on. I mean, before I came up with the system, it was really, really bad. And I hated this lesson a lot. But once I came up with this system to make it more fun, it's still bad, but it's not that bad. So, okay, last lesson. And that is lesson eight, which is called, what do you want to be? All about the students' dreams for the future. And I, I don't really like this lesson. I mean, I think the point of the lesson is for the students to kind of say what they want to be. But there's like 12 choices here. No, way more than 12. 3, 6, 9, 12. You know, a million choices here. But there never really was a choice that most of the students wanted to be, right? So like, and so in that in that case, you have to teach all the students the individual dreams they want to be, you know? And of course, most people really don't know yet. So they say, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't have one. And that's that's a fine answer when you're in sixth grade, really. But if you let that answer go... That's the easiest answer. So there's going to be half the class is going to say, I don't know, which means these games in the book are just undoable. So, you know, I would always say you can't say nothing. Just make it, you know, make something up. You know, if you don't have one, if you have, a, if, you, if, you, if you have a real one, of course, I'll take teach you how to say it, you know, beautician, I don't know, nail person, hockey player, whatever. I would say that, of course, but if you don't have one, you have to make one to do these games. So I would always end this lesson with an interview, like interview kind of game, but I would make little cards with the dreams on them. So no one even had the option of saying, I don't know yet. And they didn't even have to think about what they really wanted to be because some people get embarrassed and don't want to say it. If you give cards out, there's no, you know, embarrassing point. There's no saying, I don't have a future dream. Here's the card. This is what you want to be. And after each round, of course, I'd have the students switch. So they got more practice saying more than just one. And it worked pretty good. So uh, for the last class though of the, of the whole year, of course, I would let the students choose their favorite game from the whole year to do the last class. You know, always give them that power because it makes... An awesome, an awesome game, an awesome lesson. And it's even better because, you know, they chose it themselves. I'm giving you the choice. You know, I'd write up on the board all the choices and they would choose, you know. Even if they always chose bowling. I mean, that's not true, though. Some sixth grade classes start to think bowling is not is kind of a little bit, you know, juvenile at the end, near the tail end of the, of the year. You find that. But most, in my experience, most times they still chose bowling. Sometimes they choose snakes and ladders game. Sometimes they would choose, like, alphabet train game I talked about in the High Friends 1 episode rarely but it was pretty much always one of those three though um anyways that wraps it up 
for High Friends 2. Just like High Friends 1, you know, there's things, of course, that could be better, but it's not worth complaining about, you know. It definitely has enough stuff for you to make a lot of fun activities with and, you know, have fun with it. And your students will have fun with it, too. So that's with everything, actually. I should just end every episode with that statement, so... Um, end of episode housekeeping here. If you want to check out any of the links of the games and stuff I mentioned on this episode, head on over to altinsider.com forward slash podcast 45 and it will be there for you. If you do go that far and you go get to that show notes page, I want you to leave a comment. And since you're awesome, include the word, I have a Dr. Pepper here sitting next to me. So put Dr. Pepper in your comment and I will know how awesome you are. All right, that'll do it. Finally, long episode in the books. I had a lot to say about high friends too, I guess, you know? So until next time, you have more fr- fun. You have more friend. You have more fun with all of your friends. See ya. Thanks for listening to the ALT Insider Podcast. For more info on how you can have more fun working in Japan, visit ALTinsider.com. See you next time. Go straight, 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 go straight.